You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Is this photo going to massively embarrass them when they're 21? You just have to think about how people are going to use it, think about how it could be used, and then sort of reverse engineer your behaviour back from that. If you could put all the extracurricular activities within the school and have them run until five o'clock, that would be perfect. That's a great solution. You need to talk to the government, Nia. Were you out yeah. late or did you get to nine o'clock at least? Mate, we were out till like 10.30. <gasps> Today, the resurrection of a beloved giraffe. When children's movies go horribly wrong, is the ideal of the perfect parent alive and well? And would you live stream your childbirth on Facebook? Joining me today, we have Angie Hu, a singer and now children's book author, and Jason Truen, who is our digital content and community manager at Kindling, or online editor, which I might refer to for the rest of the show, if that's all right, Jace. It's much shorter. It is much shorter. Welcome to you both. Hello, how are you? Good. Well, we like to start um, by asking our guests about their family. So I'll start with you, Angie. Can you tell us about your kids? Sure. I have a five-year-old, Clementine, who started school this year. So I'm a school mum now. Um, And two-year-old, Dash, who speaks like a six-year-old is the comment that um, (laughs) Clementine's school teacher said yesterday. Wow, that's impressive. (laughs) The, the the youngest normally gets a little bit left behind as everyone talks over <laughs> I think them. He's but... leaving us behind, to be honest. <laughs> oh, brilliant, Jason. Yeah, um, so Sam is six. Um, he pretty much wakes up at six a.m. on the dot every day and takes about six hours to get ready for school. Uh, every morning's <laughs> quite a lot of chaos, um, but he's fine and he makes us laugh every day. Um, then there's Frances. It's two. Um, she's growing up very quickly. Yesterday from daycare, she came home with her hair up for the first time. She's and got enough hair to be put up. That's right. And she finally lets us do it, which is the most important thing. And also painted nails. So, yeah, painted. it's escalating quite quickly. Should I think she'll be at high school. Lipstick. Her in double bay. Training bar. <laughs> it was free. The first one's free, I think. Get you hooked. Okay, well, let's get stuck in, into it. First up, how one giraffe stole Australia's heart and made the politicians eat their words. This week, Australians everywhere were horrified when it appeared that Healthy Harold would be defunded. Healthy Harold is, if you didn't know, the giraffe mascot of a health program that travels around Australia dispensing health lessons to primary school children about everything from puberty to alcohol and drug abuse. But due to a huge public outcry, the government backflipped and promised to continue supporting Life Education, which is the group that runs Healthy Harold. Angie, um, I think I must have been too old for Healthy Harold. Did no. you Did you have you Healthy Harold? <laughs> um, we did. I grew up on the Gold Coast and we actually had the Life Education Centre. So we Ooh. went to Harold's place. And it Stop was very it. You, fun. You didn't go into a van? No. What no. was his place like? Um, oh, I remember there was a stage and lights and it was dark and they had that um, clear mannequin with all the body parts that would light up inside. Tam, apparently. Tam. I've been told that's her I name. I meant to Google the name and have that all prepared. Yeah, because but, um, that's the thing. You don't want her to remain nameless. No, because she did talk. Did she? No. And, and her organs lit up. Stop it. When she, she talked, talked about different parts of the digestive system or something. Wow. And that didn't give you nightmares? No, it was fascinating. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unless this was all a dream, but I think. Um. <laughs> Sounds like a psychedelic, maybe a dream you had later in life. Maybe it was a club <laughs> that you went to once, I think. <laughs> On the Gold Coast. You could be right, Chase. So you have good memories, I think. I do. I'm saying. Yes. Um, now, oh, sorry, I'm just stuck on this image of the taking her insides out. I do think I'd, no. have a, I think I'd have a better understanding of my own biology had I experienced Healthy Harold. I mean, Jace, we've talked about this in the office. You don't, do you remember Healthy Harold? I think Harold? he might have skipped our school, which probably explains a lot for me. And while I'm still learning about sex ed, it could be the reason I ended up sorry, with kids. Helen. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I blame Harold for that. Um, yeah, I think he skipped it. I think maybe, he skipped Maybe, well, we us. both grew up in New South Wales, so maybe we are of a generation that he just hadn't got here yet because everyone else in the office, all the youngies, all the spring chickens at Kindling, <laughs> they go scrape it they're in. so loved. They love him. Maybe we need him that. to come here. Obviously, he missed yes. us. We've still got a lot to learn. And he can just park out the front outside of Kindling. That's an idea. I'd teach Jason and Siobhan about anatomy. It's probably a bit too late now. It's bring him in next week. Yeah, blame him for our children. Well, we had a few comments from Facebook. Bouncing Bunyips, I don't think that's their real name, says, Yep, our son talks about healthy Harold so much and gets excited when he sees the bus. Emma says, Harold came to our school every year that my son has been there. He's learnt a lot about healthy eating from Harold. Susie, I grew up with Harry. Susie says, I grew up with Harry and so should my children. I learned to respect my body, learned about anti-bullying and what smoking does to the body. I took it all to heart and I'm certain many children did the same and does do still. The government just does not realise how important Harold is to a child more than their exorbitant pay packets and pensions. Thanks, Susie. It's a bit of a political opinion. I mean, I guess that's the question, right? So they've, they've said they're going to keep funding it. Is it worthwhile to keep funding something like this? I thought primary schools themselves taught sex ed or health education. What do you think, Jace? Um, I think, you know, they can and they do teach it in the classroom. I think what we can tell from the public outcry this week about Harold's fate is that Harold really cut through, um, you know, for many generations before us. Um, And... You know, that's really valuable. I think maybe because Harold was a puppet, maybe because it was a visit, so it was a real special occasion for young kids, it's really stuck in the mind much more than any other teacher's lesson. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for the more guidance from life-size giraffe men. Um, <laughs> the I'm, less, I'm for it. The less conversations with Francis you have to have about puberty. That's right. I can just <laughs> march the giraffe in. If I can dodge that, no, I'm kidding. Angie, what do you think? Because you grew up having Healthy Harold. Do you want your kids to have um, the same sort of similar experience? Look, it can't hurt. It can only be a good investment. And I think I read that it was $200,000. Is that? Uh, looking at me like I That's should know, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it is. 500000 from 500 maybe I'm That's just his salary. Control. I think he's on good money, Harold. Yeah. Yes, he is. He's My a well-paid giraffe, but he should be. Um, it doesn't seem like a massive investment for something that could potentially um, aid kids eating better and treating their bodies better and avoiding medical issues in the future. later in life. Mm, good point. All right. Um, I think there's some good stuff in that and we're all happy to know that Healthy Harold is going to live another day. We'll see. Maybe we can get him into the studio sometime. <laughs> I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation, where we invite two parents into the panel to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Today, I'm joined by Angie Hu, singer and children's book author. You're, you actually have to tell me the name of your book because I'm not very good at pronouncing it. Look, it's actually not a book. I have recorded it with you guys. Hey! And you're going to be playing it sometime, sometime. <laughs> and it will be on your app. To be um, advised. I don't know anyone in book world, but if anyone wants to talk to me about it, 
You, call you me. heard it first. <laughs> but it does have a title. What do you call it's it? It's the Wimbun Lumbin and the Sausage. The Wimbun Lumbin? Yes. Is that a Queensland thing? No. <laughs> it's a club on the Gold Coast, I think. <laughs> You'd love it. Um, no. My daughter, Clementine, when she was at preschool, came up with this character called the Wimbun Lumbin. And she would talk about it a lot. And her and her little friend Seamus at preschool would... Uh, tell me all about it. So every time she said something, I just wrote it down and then I said we should make a story and we did and you guys bought it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's our promotion. Angie Who, the Wimbun Lumbin and the, <laughs> the sausage. sausage. How, mm. could, how could I forget it's that? It's catchy. I don't know. Yes. And <laughs> alongside Angie, we have Jason Truen, who is our online editor here at Kindling. Coming up is a new animation about Snow White fat shaming or just misunderstood. You're listening to Kindly Conversation. Someday my prince will come. Someday I have to let it roll out a bit longer. I just said we should scratch it there because it, there's only so much saccharin singing you can one can handle. Um, well, you know, the, the story is um, about a revision, we should say, about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And it's fair to say that a lot of animated fairy tales, particularly of the Disney variety, have quite a problematic history when it comes to um, their depictions of women. There are a lot of feminists that don't like these versions of fairy tales, although they're changing, it seemed like we were going somewhere good. You know, we had Moana, she was a strong and powerful figure, there was no love interest. And now there seems to be a version of Snow White that's caused a bit of an uproar. Basically, there were some posters that appeared at the Cannes Film Festival trying to sell it to people, and it showed a tall, slim Snow White and then a larger, rounder version of the same girl. And the copy read, What if Snow White was no longer beautiful and the seven dwarfs not so short? So the, mu- the movie is basically about a pair of magic shoes that make Snow White into a slim and tall princess. It's basically got a lot more attention now because uh, model Tess Holiday brought it to attention in her Twitter feed where she basically was saying what on earth is going on, this is disgusting. Um, Now the makers of the film, Locus Corporation, have apologised. They've taken the posters down. Now I just have to read to you what they say, what they said in response. Basically they said the film is a family comedy that aims to, and here's the quote, to challenge social prejudices related to standards of physical beauty in society by emphasising the importance of inner beauty, which sounds lovely. But then you go to the trailer and the trailer has two little dwarves hiding under a lounge watching uh, Snow White undress seductively. And I am not exaggerating. The music behind her taking her clothes off is ridiculous. And then it shows their appalled reaction as she takes her shoes off, becomes bigger sits down on the um, seat and burps. So, Angie, it's a very long introduction there, but uh, I'm curious to know what your reaction is to this film. I mean, could it possibly turn out to have a positive message? Yeah, I watched the trailer as well, and I actually think it could be the next Frozen. (laughs) With a great merchandise line. (laughs) Yes. Red shoes especially, start there. Mm. No, I was horrified as well. (laughs) I was just like, where is she going with this? Quick. Um, and I had so many problems just with the trailer, even before the, the fat shaming issue comes into it. It's like two creeps in a girl's bedroom watching her get undressed. 
this is a children's movie. Like, just because it's a cartoon doesn't make that okay. <laughs> no, it, it was weird. I mean, Jace, you are across the media sphere. Um, you're always online. You can see how people respond to these sorts of things. Given this kind of reaction, um, do you think they can come back from this? I mean, I don't. I don't think I'd take my kids to watch it now. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I must say, I think, you know, maybe it was Dopey Dwarf that was doing the marketing for it. (laughs) Like, it's just so offensive. And not only is it offensive, but the tagline for it is just really uncatchy. Like, it is, what if Snow White was no longer beautiful and the seven dwarves not so short? Like, that's not even an appealing slogan for a film. Who wants to see that? Mm, No. Are they still dwarves if they're not short? I'm not sure what's going on there. Um... Yeah, so I think they're going to suffer a lot from this. I think the posters are pretty bad. The trailer is even worse, as you Mm. said. The dwarves perving on Snow White, it's the only thing in the trailer. It's not like it's a montage of all these other fun scenes, etc. Basically, they break into her bedroom, watch her strip, the the dress straps come off seductively, and then they're horrified like it's... It's so weird. And the thing that I kind of get back to is when they say, oh, it's actually about how, you know, we need all to be comfortable in our own bodies. But the way they depict her in the trailer is disgusting because then she does this big lugging drink or something and then burps like yeah. they're, they're making fun of her yeah. even in that short little piece it doesn't seem positive that's right why does she need the shoes then if she's comfortable in her own body mm. i think um you know i think parents really want kids to be inspired when they go to a movie as well and this has really started off on the the wrong foot yeah, yeah. and we've got some comments um that kind of it's interesting. So Emily says, um, obesity is actually a huge issue in Australia. So that's why I see both sides. Personally, I think the whole princess thing with spells being only broken by a prince may annoy me more than the stereotype of beauty. My daughter is only young, but if she was a bit older, she could watch it and maybe it would could be a platform to discuss some of these things, which, you know, I that is a main problem with um, fairy tales where the prince solves everything. But who knows? It sounds like quite a complicated storyline at this point, especially if they're going to save the day. Um, Stacy says, yeah, I will, as in I will take my daughter. My daughter would love it and doesn't care for um, proverbial stuff like that unless she's taught to. There's a bit of swearing in the comments on this one. Fire up. <laughs> and I won't be teaching her that kind of stuff. All she cares about is if it's got bright colours and is she a princess. Uh, Jenna Lee says, disgusting, no way, would not support this BS. We should be empowering our kids, boy and girl, to embrace everybody of any size, shape, colour, height. The small-minded twits that created this proverbial stuff, should be so ashamed. I'll just say poop instead of proverbial <laughs> Bretta says, the storyline is pretty similar to that of Shrek and Princess Fiona if you read how the storyline will go. Probably not the best way to advertise it. I mean, that's the thing, right? Shrek was a great film, but there was no confusing who was the, um, that the hero was Shrek and that Princess Fiona as the ogre was, you know, there was no confusing that line. Or do you think it's similar? I think um, I can't remember Shrek perfectly, but and not to get too into Shrek lore, but I think it's because <laughs> she goes from human to ogre as well. That's right. So there's the interspecies yeah. kind of jump. That <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. Snow White's going from human to human, and I think. <gasps> yeah, I reckon they're going to have a 
big job getting people to this one. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Angie Hu, singer, and I am going to call you a children's book author because you are a book author Thank on you. our program, <laughs> and Jason Truen, who is the editor of Online here at Kindling. In just a moment, is perfect parenting a modern affliction? It's got to be. talk a lot these days about how parenting has changed. We've got a lot more information, we're a lot more connected online, but has all of this added to our own experience of needing to be perfect? I didn't think I had that ideal, but when I really think about it, that's where my guilt comes from. So if I don't get everything right, I will think, you know, if I'm not cooking a healthy meal, if I'm not, if the kids are in front of the TV, um, if I'm not spending enough time with them, I'm I'm always feeling guilty. And if I didn't expect it to myself to be perfect, then I probably wouldn't be guilty, would I? So I'm wondering whether this is just me. Is it all parents? Is it mums? And where is it coming from if other people are feeling this way? Is it the media or other people? Or am I just really insecure? Angie, <laughs> what do you think? You answer that. <laughs> yeah, go on. Give me a counselling session right now. You just need to calm down, Siobhan. Have a chamomile tea. Um, look, Take a bet. <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing as perfect parenting. There's no perfect people. There's no perfect marriage. We're all people and we all are going to mess it up somewhere along the way. You just have to do the best with, with what you've got. I mean, it's hard working and parenting and not sleeping and um, trying to stay calm and be a good example. But with the perfect parenting, I guess a lot. Of, I think a lot of it probably comes from social media. At the same time, I feel like there's a lot more honesty um, around conversations around parenting now. Like we're all struggling. It's not not everyone's setting up the perfect shot for their Instagram all the time. Um, but I think the only people we we really need to be trying to impress is our kids. Because they see us all the time. They know the real us. They see all our cracks. They they sh- know our love. Um, everyone else can... <laughs> there are so many opinions. And it starts from day one. When mm. You have your baby and this midwife says that and that one says that. And it's a jungle, Siobhan. It's a mm, jungle. It's scary. <laughs> um, Jace, I... I sometimes think that mums um, have this kind of pressure put on them from the beginning in terms of, you know, as soon as they're pregnant, what they eat, all the sort of things that roll on from that. Um, but when we were chatting about it in the office, you you said that it's probably across both mums and dads. Yeah, so totally. I- yeah, I feel, I mean, I guess it really depends for me on the day. Like sometimes depending on your mood and depending on your energy levels, how much sleep you have, sometimes you don't feel that pressure at all. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm defiant and confident, you know, in my own parenting abilities and others don't matter. And other days you might not be coping as well. Uh, you might feel like you're sleeping or you haven't read those parent books that have been by your bedside table for six <laughs> months because you've been on Netflix. And yeah, it, it really does depend day to day. I do agree with Angie. I don't I think social media does some amazing things, but it also is quite a big mirror that we hold up to ourselves. And, you know, it's not hard to look at that sometimes and go, you know, 
I could be doing better financially, emotionally, um, or even as a dad, maybe I should be as funny as the other dads out there on social media. <laughs> no one's funnier than um, you, Jace. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it's really a daily, not a battle at all, but a daily kind of concern, challenge. I guess. Yeah, challenge. Because <laughs> one of the things that I was thinking on with this, like, like I said, I don't, I'm hopeless. I'm never on Instagram, and so I don't compare myself to those women. But what I realized is if you look around at the way we think and talk and watch food at the moment. So this is where I see something that has really good, um, a really good basis that we all should be eating better, that we do have a problem with obesity. And food is a lovely thing to be passionate about. But then when you extrapolate that to social media, to every beautiful cookbook coming out, to, you know, wanting to do things from scratch, all of a sudden, Cooking a meat and three veg meal is boring and other people are achieving these amazing things and this idea that we all have to be, I don't know, cultivating our vegetables in the backyard and cooking them, which I think (laughs) is brilliant and I'd love to do it, but it's just not going to happen for me. I see that as being something that's quite... um, it's quite, and not insidious, but it's a very slow kind of trickle into something that can be a big comparison. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that interesting about social media is it can make you feel insecure as you peer into the lives of others. But at the same time, I have a choice not to gaze into that mirror and I still haven't unplugged yet. Oh, it's very hard. So I think you just have to delete Facebook. It's and an Instagram. addictive mirror, I think. It works both ways. <laughs> You've got a veggie patch, haven't you, Angie? <laughs> She's looking at me. It's no. not that hard, Sean. It's not that hard. I have a weed patch, uh, which does need a little attention. Um, look, I'm not the mum who's doing hippopotamus cutout sandwiches and doing shapes with the rock melon and stuff like that. Um, food in the lunchbox. They don't eat at school. They don't eat much, do they? <laughs> anyway, just saying. You're listening to the parent panel. We'll be back after this short break with the question: Would you live stream your own labour? Happy, happy birthday in a warm bath. Hosting a kids' birthday party this weekend. Kindling Kids Radio has you sorted for the best party tunes and dancing music to get the party started. Tune in every Saturday from 10am on your digital radio or stream mixes on demand at kindling.com.au. Happy birthday! Kindling Conversation! I'm beautiful in the way Blogger Adele Barbaro has decided to live stream her birth. Adele writes at The Real Mama and she says that live stream, she's live streaming her birth to show what it's really like after her first labour left her feeling depressed and inadequate. There's been a huge response online and we've got a few comments from our Facebook audience. Miriam says, I probably wouldn't watch it, but I will defend her rights to share the PG parts of labor with her Facebook audience. Her page is all about the reality of motherhood and showing some of the joys slash irritations of the labor process fits that brief. Also helpful to demystify labor for currently pregnant women. Amber says, uh, just saying she's not the first to do this. Apparently, Sophie Kachia, the young mummy, also did it. And why so much hate? It's a beautiful eye-opening experience and every pregnancy and labor is different. No need to hate them for hate on them for it. They are brave, courageous and showing the world new things. 
also, in saying that it's going to be PG rated and people won't be seeing her bits or anything, Adele isn't doing this for attention, but let people see what it's like. It's no different to watching a birth scene on certain shows or watching one born every minute. True. Go you mamas. And Cynthia says, been there, done that. Don't need to watch someone else go through it. Thanks. So basically, Adele has had a lot of nasty backlash. A lot of trolls have jumped online. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit not majorly conflicted, but I'm unsure how I feel about this. On one hand, I think, yeah, let's make it real. Um, what a great thing to try and show people. And she's been very clear that it's not actually going to, she's not going to live stream the actual birth, the baby coming out. Um, but at the same time, I reckon you caught the media, you are doing it for a reason, maybe to raise awareness, but there's a bit of something else going on there. I mean, Jace, what do you think? Yeah, I have really mixed feelings about this. Um, I um, I think, you know, her message is, is quite noble, that she wants to show what real birth is like, that's not like the movies. But at the same time, I'm caught up with that feeling. It does feel like marketing. Um, and so I'm quite cynical. Um, she's been in the news. She's been on TV. Obviously, she's hoping follow people follow her to watch the birth. Um, yeah, and I don't know... Yeah, how I really feel about that. I think, you know, she's her tag on uh, Facebook and on Instagram is the real mama, and there does seem to be this competition out there on social media of who's the realest mama. Uh, which I don't know if that's healthy. You know, like it's not. Mm. It's going the other way. It's not being the perfect parent. It's being the realest parent, and that's. I'm not sure how healthy that is really for all of us out there. Mm. Um, I probably won't be tuning in myself. <laughs> what do you think, Angie? <laughs> uh, would I do it myself? Negatory. <laughs> My first labour went for about 12 days, it felt like, so I think it would be really boring to watch. You just have to charge your phone, make sure you've got... And the problem is as well, you, I did anyway, I switched off to anything else, so I... Nobody needs to see that. I'm surprised my husband's still with me after going through labour with me. <laughs> um, um, Angie, yeah. like you make video clips. Have you considered a live stream <laughs> for your next video clip? It doesn't have to be you. It could be someone else. Imagine the cross-promotional. I could, um, maybe I should write a song for her or something. Mm. I think <laughs> the baby's due later. next month, so you've got, okay, I've can got you a do few it weeks. quickly? Yep. Well, speaking of songs, um, I do like to end the parent panel with a bit of a lullaby thing going on. I like to ask parents what they sing to their kids. And aren't we lucky, Angie, that you are a songstress <laughs> yourself? And what do you sing to your kids? Um, either Lavender's Blue, which is on my album, so I'm not going to sing that, Um I recently discovered a guy called Tim Moore who is a beautiful singer-songwriter from Adelaide and he did a kid's album. Um, and there's a song on there. I do not know how you pronounce it. I think it's the Connie Cradle song. It's an old Irish Ooh. song. And for quite a while when we first got the album, every night we would turn the lights off in their room and put this little starlight on and then we would dance to this song and then I would tuck them into bed and it was very beautiful. Oh. We don't do it so much anymore, but we still sing the song now and again. So, um, You sing and I'll probably cry, so go for it. <laughs> I just have to make sure I start low enough so we don't go too high. <laughs> the Kuraks are sailing out on the blue Laden with herring of silvery hue Silver the herring and silver the sea Soon there'll be silver for baby and me 
Hear the wind blow, love, hear the wind blow. Hang your head over and hear the wind blow. Hear the wind blow, love, hear the wind blow. Hang your head over and hear the wind blow. Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, you give me goosebumps. Anyway, you should hear him sing that. Tim Moore. Wow. Uh, so, Jason, how are you feeling about following that one up? <laughs> I don't think I can, actually. Um, but I do have a special surprise. Instead of a lullaby, I've actually got another special song for us. Uh, Kindling is turning two today. Yay! Um, we're going into the terrible twos. And now everyone's and coming into the studio. <laughs> Everyone so in the Kindling cake. office is here. And I reckon Woo-hoo! what we should do, though, is, Angie, step back towards the microphone <laughs> because you haven't heard the Kindling staff sing. They are now. We can't hear you. We're going to sing happy birthday, Kylie. Come on. Okay, after three. And we'd like to say thank you. We're going to end on happy birthday, let's say. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to us from the beginning. We are now in the terrible twos, so look out. Um, it's been great. It's been a wonderful two years. So um, let's do the song. Let's, let's let Angie lead us and Elise because we know they can sing. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kindling. Happy You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.